Hello, and welcome to episode 44 of Man vs. Business. My name is Les Janes, and I am here with my co-host, Sean McManaman. This week, Sean and I are discussing Kaizen and problem solving, the lean concept of continuous improvement, and some of the tools that support it. So with that, let's start the show. So Sean, how are you doing today? Good, Les. How are you? I am hunky-dory. Oh, okay. There's a, there's a little switch. There you go. Mm-hmm. I am peachy keen. How's that one? Oh, man. I, hopefully, there's people that are listening that have no idea what those phrases mean, <laughs> unless they're as old as we are. We were, we were laughing just a second ago because I tend to start the class off the same way. Uh, most of the times because it's easy, but uh, so trying to switch it up there a little bit. Right, maybe, you know what, maybe from now on I'll throw you a curveball every now and again. <laughs> there you go. So um, so today we decided we were going to talk about Kaizen and possibly some of the tools that get wrapped around Kaizen, such as you know some of the problem-solving tools, things like that. So I think the, the first place we ought to start is, you know, everybody kind of gets their their selves wrapped around the axle, so to speak, on the word Kaizen or why are we using a Japanese word or blah, blah, blah. Um, <laughs> but really, it's just a simple word for meaning continuous improvement. So, right. I, yeah, that's what it basically translates to uh, improvement and what is it? Uh, and and it's, it, it's improvement imp- and continuing. Right? Yeah, yeah. So it's it's. It's change good. for the good. Change for the good. That's and, right. That's and, right. and it's the fact that you're doing it all the time and, you know, continuously. You're always looking for opportunities. So there's, so there's a lot wrapped up in that word Kaizen. And that's, I think that's the reason that they use the Japanese word is just because there's so, many, so much meaning wrapped around the word, word itself. But in its, in its essence, it's, it's basically continuous improvement. And, um, uh, you know, all that goes with, you know, continuous improvement. So I think the, the first thing we should probably touch on is, is why, why Kaizen? Why, why should companies do Kaizen or continuous improvement? All right, why should they do it? Okay, so I would imagine everyone in an organization would, would want to improve the processes, the livelihood, the the culture of an of an organization. Mm-hmm. So by wrapping by wrapping that in, the concept of kaizen uh, really covers covers what needs to be done because kaizen really addresses two areas. It addresses a philosophy, and it addresses the actual events of improving right so kaizen kaizen so why and i'll always come back to your your question at least in this little section here that we're talking about why should a company do it so a company or organization a part of a company should look towards that that philosophical view of everyone in their job should be looking to improve how their job is done how that output is done um i would like to find somebody that would tell me that they shouldn't look yeah, to having everyone improve their job. So, so by and and who and who would admit that? Right, who would admit? <laughs> no, I don't want anybody to improve the way they do things. Right, I don't know. Maybe maybe there is some organizations out there. Are some organizations out there, whatever that that wouldn't want to see improvement. Maybe if you're getting paid by the hour, you might not want to speed things up. Okay, so that, that perhaps there's companies like that. 
Um, but the thing is, if you can get more work and, and charge a higher rate for the more hours you do because you do it better, to me, I think you can always come back to improving the process, speeding up work, but it also, it also ties to the philosophy of, of having people enjoy the work that they do. Right. You know, if they do something, you know, faster or better according to some benchmark, but they're miserable in it, well, you know what? You're going to probably have high turnover or quality issues or, or something like that if people are not happy uh, in, the, in the work that they do. So, I think- so, so that's the philosophy side. And then, and then the actual improvement side is, is taking people and, and running, you know, the process improvement projects using the tools that we'll talk about a little later. Yeah. So I think one of the philosophies, going back to your, your philosophy comment, one of the philosophies that I like about uh, Kaizen is the fact that they, they emphasize small changes. So it's that, it's kind of that theory of big results can come from a lot of small changes. So if you get people focused on not necessarily worrying about changing a whole process or um, you know, changing a whole um, uh, business policy or, or you know, uh, whatever it is, try to focus on some small things that would help support you know changing those bigger things. Um, so making those accumulative changes, those small accumulative changes over time, can give you those big results. And I think that's another one of those uh, misunderstood philosophies of of Kaizen that. You don't have to. You don't have to tackle a whole process for kaizen. You know, you get people used to making just very simple changes throughout their day, even. You know, absolutely. One of the, one of the things, and I was just uh, trying to see if I could <clears throat> attribute this saying. You've heard. You've heard. How do you eat an elephant? Yes. One bite at a time. Right. Okay. So, how, how do you take on a big challenge? You know, one step at a time. Or break many, it down. Many small, yeah, you break it down. Many small activities to overcome the large hurdle. Yeah. So, and I think that, um, you know, whether you use the word continuous improvement, whether you use the word Kaizen, um, whether you're using uh, nonconformance, corrective action, you know, all those things that talk about uh, uh, the requirements for a need for change, um, you're just looking to embed that in the environment and the philosophies that sit behind Kaizen are one of the easier ways to do that. Just because that philosophy does lend itself to very simple, simplistic, you know, small, lots of small changes. So getting that mindset of people to march on, you know, making small changes and getting it to where they're empowered to do it. You know, they see the big picture, but they're empowered to make those changes. Don't, Make them go through the bureaucracy of, you know, getting a, a, ch- a change done. Let them make the change and deal with the consequences. Uh, so that's a very good point because I was going to, I was going to, you know, challenge you and both of us in this conversation here. Okay, the, the, the concept is great. Mm-hmm. The words are great. How do you do it? How do you? Yeah, that's, the, that's kind people. of the next thing. Yeah. Yeah. How do you convince people who are doing a job and they've got it down? So is this, is this as simple as positive reinforcement? I mean, is it that is it that simple? I'm kind of guessing here a little bit uh, in that if people are doing the right things and they're doing those small, simple things, giving them that that uh, attaboy or that positive reinforcement would go to lend itself to 
making sure that it continues and that other people start to get on the bus, so to speak. Right. Well, and I think you have to provide a catalyst Mm -hmm. for everyone in your organization to, to look for those, those improvements. Just like you said, you, you, you have to positively reinforce them. You have to empower people and you have to, and I will say that I wasn't, I'm not crazy about you saying, let's see what happens with the consequences. You know, <laughs> let, the, let the chips fall where they may. Okay. Because the thing is, you don't, you don't want to make somebody else's job in the organization harder because you know, you're doing something to make your job easier. Okay. So you don't want the, you don't want the um, mass of whatever you want to call it to roll downhill. <laughs> sure. Right. You know, the uh, S word, you don't want that rolling downhill. Right. So if, if whoever make, is bold enough to make the change in their area first, but it causes a ripple effect that creates a, a, a an unlean system in the whole group then that's not what you want either. So you have to you have to provide the catalyst, but you also have to provide the boundaries on what should be done. And within those boundaries, the the uh, autonomy of the working people should be there so that they can improve their little step in the process. So I'll I'll come in halfway <laughs> and say that um, I think the assumption there or. Um, the idea there is the fact that yes, you 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 have some boundaries, and most of the time those boundaries are their job description, or you know their the functions that they're responsible for. So if you keep, you know, if you're talking about simple daily change, you know, uh, I think that you probably won't have a problem most of the time with people taking something too far or messing something up else up unless you're dealing with something that's a higher level and cross-functional. So when you start getting into uh, making changes in activities that are cross-functional outside the scope of your responsibility, then I think you do get into the problem you just described, which is you know possibly messing up somebody else's job or doing something like that. But that's where I'm kind of saying that's not necessarily what I'm talking about when I'm talking about daily change. I'm usually talking about somebody's daily activities and responsibilities. Right. So so let me give you, let me give you an example. So if you're, if you're a person that's at a table and your responsibility is to um, cut this piece of metal, slide this plastic on, screw a screw in, take a, you know, an air gun and clean it out and stack it over here and then take that stack and move it. You have in the Kaizen world, you have the responsibility to say, you know what? I am walking way too far to get that little plastic thing over there to slip it on the end. I just came up with a great idea that I'm going to create a little pocket right here, and I'm going to work it into my into my processes. I'm going to make sure that my standard work is updated, and I'm going to make it to where I don't have to reach for that thing all the time and therefore improve the, the mm-hmm. speed of the process. He should be He or she should be able to do that without halting things and bringing over you know, yeah. you know, everybody and their cat and dog and having a discussion about it. And, and then now one of the things that I think that person does have the responsibility for is to say, you know what, this is working. I'm going to let leadership know and let's roll this out as a change to all the other cells in the area if it's that good. Mm-hmm. You know? Well, so, yeah, right. So it should I, be a two-way, two-way communication. You yes. know, the, the lead in that area should understand what's, what's going on and the, the communication should come from that worker in that little change. So I think um, that um, 
what you described is usually something that's a little higher than what I just described right there on daily Kaizen in that you're talking about continuous improvement that is usually cross-functional in nature and you have to be very aware that if you change something there, you, you might be affecting other people up and down mm-hmm. the stream of that process. Right. right. And, and I'll give you my example. Okay. I, uh, I try because we do talk a lot about the manufacturing world and, and we're both in the manufacturing world and, and those examples are pretty easy. But I want to give folks that listen, you know, the understanding that what we talk about can be applied to the paperwork world. Oh, sure. As well, right. Sure. Um, and so so if if someone if someone's task is order entry or bill of material loading or, or some some computer work that has a list of, of inputs that have to be generated and put in the, in the system, you know, that if you require them to get, you know, 15 orders entered in a day and, and, uh, you know, they, they end up with a stack of 20. If they get, if they need to get that 20 done, if they, if they believe that, Hey, this piece of information in this cell isn't being used, I'm not going to input it. Right. Right. And then pass it off as done. That's something that, that can't be accepted. The, the, the main point, regardless of whatever the action is, is that that the output from that area, whatever it is, either paperwork or, or physical, has to be a hundred percent clear to yes. the person doing that work. That you can't, you cannot fall short of that output product to to list your job on that on that one piece as complete. Yeah, you have to be very aware of what your inputs and your outputs are, and your outputs yes. especially. You know, one of the things we need to be, be sure is very clear, some of the things that we've talked about in some previous episodes are really considered Kaizen-type activities. So, you know, we've touched on, on 5S, which mm-hmm. really is a Kaizen-type event. Uh, TPM, I don't know if we – have we touched on TPM? Total Productive Maintenance? I think we have. Yeah, we did. We that's, had a show a couple weeks ago. Yeah, that's another Kaizen-type activity. Because, again, what the reason you're doing 5S or TPM is because you're making a continuous improvement. Now, now those, I would say, would be a little bit bigger than a, a daily function, but they don't necessarily have to be. A 5S could be a simply a 5S of your working space or your working area. You know, a TPM could be of a specific tool that somebody uses – and so those are all uh, other types of Kaizen type activities. Uh, SMED, which I don't think we've ne- we haven't touched on SMED, single minute exchange of dies. Uh, we have not touched on that, but that's a, again that's another Kaizen type event because literally you're trying to if you're in a world where you're working on uh, a continuous flow type product line. Um, SMED is very important uh, in the way that you uh, flow your work so that you can quickly change from one tooling set to another very quickly, back and forth, you know, and be able to uh, build your production lines. If you've got continuous flows of multiple product lines, you can switch back and forth and make sure you get the right quantities based on what? Tack time, which we'll touch on on another day. <laughs> right. But then, but the thing is, what's the input to that? Here, okay, so here, here is the key. We talk about SMED, single-minute exchange of dyes, uh-huh. in order to keep your process flowing. But the upstream process has to be, has to be clear and, and um, complete in the planning sure. in, order to feed, in order to feed you. If, if you're being fed you know, certain, certain products 
and then tomorrow being fed another product, and then the next day being fed the product that you were fed two days ago, that that is a that that's not a ideal situation on right. on uh, how your tooling is set up. Right. You know, if that's the way your business is, then minimizing the setup time between you know product A, product B, product A, product C, then okay, then that's what you have to do. But the thing is, if you can plan it better so that you do all product A first and then switch your equipment to product B. You know, for at least a, a reasonable length of time, right? Or whatever, but you know, depending upon what type of business you're in, you might not have that luxury. Well, and and what, and we did talk about in our last episodes some of the framework around how to you know hold a Kaizen event for a 5S or for a TPM, but we really need to kind of touch on some of the tools that evolve around Kaizen, and I think one of the first. Um, uh, more well-recognized tools for uh, doing Kaizen work is value stream mapping. Now, yes. we'll, we'll touch on you know more detailed um, description of value stream mapping because I think that's kind of an episode unto itself. Um, but just the fact that you are with a value stream map, you're truly trying to understand the process very clearly, understand how your product flows through some of the major steps, and it's a very visual Tool which I, I like. I'm I'm a very visual person, so you know I'm a I'm a huge fan of value stream value stream mapping. Um, so I think that's um, that's one tool. You know, another one uh, problem solving. You know, mm-hmm. now of course that one sounds simple. It's like okay, problem solving. Well, it's more problem, difficult than yeah. you can than you can imagine. So problem solving is a concept, and there's tools underneath problem solving. There is Pareto chart, scatter diagrams. Yeah. You get into a lot of yeah. You get into a lot of your five whys and you know a lot of yeah. your uh, tools that support helping you uh, define the problem, uh, measure the problem, um, validate the problem, verify the problem. All those types of tools, and they usually are um, some sort of data-driven tool or you know some sort of graphical tool that helps you get to the root cause of the problem. So. It's a. It's really problem solving is best done when it's done in some sort of structured manner, as opposed to you know just uh, whatever you think it is and and whatever hurt me last. That's probably what the problem is, and let's go down that path. You know, um, yeah. that's because that's that's what most companies do is is they go you know what we ain't got time for this. We don't want to brainstorm. We don't want to do. Uh, you know, any Ishikawa diagrams, whatever that is, blah, 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 <laughs> you know, and, and go down those paths. But I will tell you now that when you when you start to develop a uh, strategic method and a, and a solid framework for doing things like problem solving and value stream mapping, you'll reap the benefits in the long run. Mm-hmm. That's, that's yeah. yeah. Because what you'll do is you'll get people – Understanding that there's more to life, so to speak, than just building my product. Mm-hmm. You get people realizing that, you know, hey, I can be part of the cog, not just be the cog. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I can I can help in making this cog work better, you know. And and I think in, in a lot of people, once they kind of see that and get a taste of it, you know, in fact, we had our, just as an example, we had our we had one of our first true root cause analysis uh, with an issue that came up in our environment 
um, a week ago, and uh, the problem was the fact that uh, we had some hoses that were being crimped, and they were incorrectly crimped, and, and they were out of spec. And we went through the whole process of doing some five whys and some, some brainstorming, trying to come up with the root cause. And, of course, there were multiple root causes, which is normally the case. Mm-hmm. And, um, uh, but when we went through that process, kind of my point to this story is when we went to the, through this process, I could actually kind of see the light bulbs kind of going off a little bit going, you know, at first they walked in going, why am I in here and why are we discussing this? You know, they just want to point fingers. It's it's his fault, man. It's his fault, you know. And I'm like, okay, we're going to stop with the finger pointing because you're going to hear me say this over and over again, and it sounds somewhat cliche, but let's focus on the process, not the people. You know, let's let's figure out what's broken, and then let's go fix what's broken. Not just discover it. Let's truly fix what's broken. And so, you know, at first it was the gnashing of teeth and... You know, uh, I can't believe you got me in here. I'm just a production guy. You know, what? how can I help with this? You know, um, you know, uh, I don't have any ideas. And of course, halfway into it, they had ideas. Well, of course they have ideas. <laughs> you know, I'm like, you, you, you have a brain, you know, unless you need to see the Oz. <laughs> you know, so... So, uh, anyways, it was very interesting uh, going through that that process and and kind of seeing some of the light bulbs start to flicker a little bit, you know, mm-hmm. so to speak. So, I think doing that over and over again will kind of, you know, get them to the point. So, I think that uh, uh, I think that you know the problem solving and the and the brainstorming and the the value stream mapping are very good visual tools to help support you know those types of activities. Right, and I think the reaffirmation of what you do in those situations comes when they see change happening, when you don't make the same mistake again because you have improved the process right. and, and potentially pokey-oaked the, the process so that it can't happen again. Well, now you have to explain what pokey is to everybody because we yeah, haven't we, touched on that topic yet. We, we did a long time ago, actually. Did we? Yeah. Did we? Yeah. That's, that's basically... And I know people don't like hearing it, but it's basically idiot proofing. I call it, I call it error proofing. <laughs> okay, well, I don't I don't like the word idiot, but I know I know. Yeah, but that's 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 what uh, people would have would have normally said. You know, it's basically setting up the system so that it's physically impossible yes. to get it wrong. Yes, yeah, which yeah. which is a very hard concept to get in place, expect, depending on your environment. But if you're a continuous and flow, continuous flow environment, you have a much better chance of, of doing pokey yoke type work. Uh, whereas custom environment is a little bit more difficult, not impossible, but it is a little more difficult. So, yeah. well, and you know what? The uh, talk talk about that here, not to divert the conversation too too much. Um, even today, having a conversation with our ERP system integrator, having them do software changes to prevent something from from being missed by an operator to me was was not worth the money to pokey oak the system rather than have proper standard work instructions and standard work that can be that can be done every single time yes by every single operator right because you manage and then you manage the issue there well because i will say and this is one of the things i tell our guys a lot i said you know automation can be expensive and you know the 
the fact that we can do it doesn't mean we always should. No. The fact that you can program the here's going to be the, the cuss word in the in the session to program the hell out of things, <laughs> you know it, that costs that costs time and money, and it doesn't allow for easy change later. So uh, you know that can be another topic for another day. But but automation, while good, always has a very dangerous side too. Dual edged sword. Right. Dual edged sword. Actually, you know, a, word, a word that I'm uh, keep it simple. More- Right. Keep it simple. But a word that I'm becoming more adverse to yeah. is the word easy. Yeah. You know, people say, oh, well, this will be easier. This, it's easy if you just do it this way. No, you know what? No, nothing necessarily is easy or hard. It is what it is. Right. And it's just a matter of how do you make it better? Yeah. Too many variables to say the word just easy. Exactly. And there's no such thing as, as something that has no variables to it. <laughs> yeah. So um, uh, is there anything else you want to wrap up on Kaizen or on problem solving or any of the tools you want to touch on before we kind of branch off into our, our uh, pick of the week? Um, I, you know, I would just say that this is a, a culture shift that, you know, as long as you're working on a culture shift, this is a, a tool and a methodology and a philosophy to change that culture, it is definitely not easy. It, it, it takes a long time. Yes, uh, I will. I will caution folks that that you have to have patience and and slowly. I mean, not that you want to work slowly, but realize that when you address an issue, try to implement a a process, it doesn't stick a hundred percent. Your effectiveness, mm-hmm. you know, might be ten percent each time. So, and so it takes a long time to get to where it is second nature for people. And so I would add one other word to that. I like the way you described that, but I would add diligence. You have to be diligent. You yes. just you just have to you have to be diligent. You have to you have to just keep going. You'll get there. Uh, but just keep it going. Be consistent. You know, uh, say the same things over and over again, and don't waver. And okay, so here's here's yeah, my. Uh, my phrase of the day, just like Matt I. Moody would say, constant vigilance. Constant vigilance. <laughs> That's the Harry Potter reference of the day. There you go. There you go. Yep. So to close, we were going to kind of uh, touch on um, uh, one topic, and that was – I forgot it already. No, it's uh, there's free classes and low cost classes at uh, REI. <laughs> oh, that's what it was. That's right. Sorry about that. I, I forgot yeah. what it was. So they they have a lot of classes, and you were talking about a class on. Well, I'm going tonight on winter camping. Winter camping basics. So that you're going to enjoy it, um, and you're going to enjoy doing it, but mm-hmm. just be safe. I know. Well, that's, uh, you know that's that's why that's why I want to do it. I you know you camp and you know you think you know what you're, you're doing, but I, I, to me, ain't no harm in getting together with a bunch of people and listening to some experts. You know, explain or at least at least provide some type of of uh, information that'll stir your brain on. Hey, how, what do you do now that I live in California? Maybe it's better if I you know explain this to everybody. I live in California, high Sierras, Yosemite. Bears and snow and mountain lions, so all, all prevalent during camping. But winter camping makes it just that much more difficult. So, but well, in my experience, well, in my experience has been in Alaska, uh, where oh. I camped both on the on the river doing salmon fishing, and then took a couple days and went in the you know the Alaskan outback and camped out there for two days. Nice. So, um, 
so I do have some experience in in very cold weather and and uh, doing it. Just you, know, you just got to be constantly aware, be safe, and um, I'm sure they'll have lots of lots of input to tell you. But uh, it is fun if if, yeah. if you don't mind the cold weather. It, it is. It can be very fun and can be very for a guy you know that likes to that likes the wilderness. It can be you mm-hmm. know a nice little challenge. Mm-hmm. So yeah, to being out in the middle of nowhere. So. Yep. Well, uh, I think we'll go ahead and wrap this show up. I hope uh, everybody enjoyed this topic of uh, Kaizen and problem solving. Uh, we will be back with you next week on another exciting topic. So uh, you all take care. <laughs> exciting. Exciting talk. You take care, Sean. All right. Bye, Les. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Man versus Business. Please note that neither Sean nor myself are business consultants. We just have a strong passion for discussing all things business. Please remember to visit sigmatree.co to see our other podcasts, our business ventures, and our blog. And by the way, you can also drop us a line from the message page. Again, thank you and have a good week.